0: What's up, guys? Drake here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another edition of Locked on Seminoles and making us your first listen each and every single day. And today, for the trio, it's just me, but we have a very special guest for you guys today. We have Mr. Sam Moore of the Listen Up podcast and also to FSU Twitter Hall of Famer with his viral Twitter spaces regarding the Travis Hunter situation back on early sign day. And we're glad to have him on as a guest for our State of the FS Union series. Today, we discussed for part one of this interview how he feels for Mike Norvell, about Mike Norvell heading into year three. We discuss his opinions on transfer wide receivers, how maybe they're more than just wide receivers. And also, we discuss a little bit of defense to kind of cap off today's episode. And then we finish that up, up with some defense and personal talk in part two for tomorrow. But, folks, I'm not going to hold you back further any further. And thank you all so much for the love and support. And here's the interview with Mr. Sam Moore of the Listen Up Podcast. Drake, hit it, baby. <laughs> You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Drake. I'm Ryan Solo today, but I am not alone. I am here with Mr. Sam Moore of More at Life on Twitter, and also of the Listen Up Podcast. Sam, what's going on, my guy? Not a whole lot, man. How you doing today? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling, man. Just, you know, vibing. uh, I think we're recording this on Wednesday. We'll be dropping this probably a week from now. I'm super excited for you to be on here for the state of the FS Union, basically, where we have different, you know, content creators from around the FSU skate to see how everyone's feeling about, you know, FSU football. So let's start right there. After this past 2021 season, I kind of want to gauge, I know people follow you on Twitter, but it's kind of funny how the Twitter you and what I hear in the podcast are. A little bit different, I'm not going to lie. So I kind of want to see how you're feeling right now about State of the Football Program.
1: Yes, uh, Twitter's a weird place because uh, people uh, gravitate more to the negative things and the things they can disagree with than actual everything that you say. So my negative stuff just pops up all the time for people, I guess. But um, I, I, I was let down mostly by the special teams this year. I think that was the part that I went into the season thinking that special teams would be good. I thought the offense would take another step. I thought the defense was a lot better than I uh, originally thought it was going to be coming into the season. So I'll give them credit for the defense being better. Jermaine Johnson was was, was excellent. That was a great find in the portal. I, but I, I just I got to be honest, the special teams, because, you know, Norvell's a special teams guy, and um, I really thought that was going to be a, a vital part of the team. And it, it really was bad. So hopefully he gets that fix going into year three.
0: I mean, hopefully, man. I know it's him and who just right now out there. But you brought up, I think – Basically, I kind of want to ask if it's like your expectations going into the year, like overall. You know, Nasky Mackley said, like, what, like I know a lot of people were. I know the Knollcast was out there saying six and six. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was one of the people gassing us up to eight wins. I thought oh, wow. that we could we could do that. And in my personal opinion, some of the games across the year, I'm like, those are some very winnable games. Like if you look over at the tower of the season. So I kind of want to see like what were you what were you expecting from FSC football as a whole going into last year?
1: I thought six and six was uh about where they was gonna be at. To be honest with you, um. I thought they would win a lot of games early. Like I actually picked them to beat Notre Dame the first game. If you go back, to listen, yeah, if you go back to listen to the listen listener podcast, I was uh, I was beating the drum that um that they would beat uh, Notre Dame in the first game, um because I knew Notre Dame was replacing so many offensive linemen that it was no way they was gonna be in sync for that game, um and they almost did beat them. Um, they got off to an ugly, ugly start—a start I really didn't expect for them to have. Um, so I did have them at six and six. They fell below at five and seven. And um, I mean, one game off—that's not too bad, I guess. But you know, I I, I did expect him to make a bowl.
0: So now that you know, year two is done, or year one, depending on who you ask, because year zero was the first year. Of Mike Norvell, like, mm-hmm. how would you, how was your feelings right now, Mike Norvell, changed from when he was hired to where you are now?
1: It's been a disaster. Um, and I—it's <laughs> crazy. Like, <laughs> like that's that's typical right that is my twitter handle right that, that was it that's, that's bread and yeah, butter man that's that, true. that's, true. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um it's been a disaster man because i think there's been a few things right um i thought after his first year i thought that was a prime opportunity to look at the staff to make the changes that you needed to make to make the adjustment that you needed to make because you can't say that well we didn't recruit well in year 2 because we didn't have relationships well That's what your staff is for. That's why you hire guys with relationships. Um, That only seemed like it was a problem at Florida State, not a problem with Michigan State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and some of those teams. Um, He didn't do a good job evaluating the staff within that crisis that he was having in the first year. Um, I think he went into thinking it was a year zero. And I think as a football coach in modern football with mega millions on the line, every day you have to get better. They did not get better the first year, right? And you saw that roll into the second year. And the second year, they got a little better, but it wasn't enough to push them to being competitive against a down Florida team with no coaches. Um, It wasn't enough for them not to get blown out by Wake Forest. It wasn't enough for them to get beat by Jackson State. Um, and, And in the recruiting class, you was hoping to get a big bump in recruiting because you thought, but well, we'll go six games, be in every game, win six or seven games, and we'll keep our recruiting class. And when I say keeping a recruiting class, I mean the top guys in that class, the, you know, the Travis Hunters of the World, um, a couple of other guys, um, Ball, big time offensive tackle that you really could have used. Um, he'd have been an instant day one guy. Guy that would have been helping you in practice and probably like game game four, game five, he'd have been probably playing. Um, and you lost those guys because of the bad start. So it's been a disaster. Um I think a lot of other fans and media people will say we're making progress. Well, everybody's making progress. You know, is your progress more or is it are you doing more than the teams around you, the NC states, the Kentuckys, the Tennessees, the teams that you gotta start Auburn, the teams you gotta start beating to get to the next level with the Georgias and Alabamas? I mean, I don't think we I don't think we've got it to their, their their neighborhood yet.
0: I mean, but also, like, I mean, because, like, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I when we hired Mike Norvell, I'm, I'd be lying to you if I was excited about the hire, mainly because I think we were, I mean, me and you have talked off, you know, on Twitter, off camera, yeah. about how we really wanted you know other, other coaches like Mel Tucker, David Randall were two names that I, you know, I pointed out to you that could have been great hires. But, like, if you look at the situation that Norvell inherited, which was not, you know, the particularly best situation, right? Right. So, basically, the bar, as my, I mean, I'm on locked I think you know Candace Cooper very well. She always has a saying, you know, the bar is in hell. So basically, mm-hmm. like when he took over, the bar was very, very low. And so it's kind of like isn't it, isn't it somewhat like unfair to kind of put the situation, you know, basically if you want to continue to compete with Alabama and Georgia when he barely has ACC quality, like AC quality roster, you know, on his team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, that it, it's unfair to put him on that bar. I don't I don't I'm not necessarily putting him on that bar as far as Alabama, Georgia. Um, but I mean we're not currently I don't I don't think we would be the eighth, the seventh best team. In the sec right now um we're not the fifth or sixth best team in the acc right now um it is his job to acquire talent that is his job that's you know a football a college football coach is the gm of the team you know uh kirby smart may not be the greatest football coach x and o in-game management but he might be the number two gm in college football right now and that that matters and do I think Norvell schematically is a good football coach? X and O's offense motivating? I think he is. I I I really do. I think he is a good coach when it comes to that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to curing talent in his region, he's not put enough on that, on the um, on the team. Because you can't keep using the excuse where we got to get better players. Because it's your job to get better players. You know what I'm
0: saying? <laughs> no, no. I get it. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's fair. And like, I, I mean, you I, one of the big things I was talking about where it's like if you looked at the original staff that he had, there was very few Florida ties. Like, and basically, how we, we've always had some of our best players are from the South Florida area. You look at Derwin James from Polk County. You look at Dalvin Cook, Devontae Freeman from Miami Central, like down here. So, but could, are you able to kind of like? because I know we're in, like, a new era of college football where we have the early signing period, but also we have the transfer portal is more relevant than ever, right? Right. And I know that – I think uh, James Coleman was on your Twitter space earlier this week. We are saying, like, the transfers are already always been happening. So yeah. I kind of want to ask, like, if if he's not – I know he's not very, you know, great at the high school recruiting, but don't you think he kind of makes up for that with actually his high
1: school – with his uh, transfer portal kind of you know, uh, proficiencies? Well, I think there's a difference when you get – so. When you get a high school guy like, um, let's say you get um, Durin James, right? And yeah. he, by midway through the first year, him or Davon Cook, midway through their first year, they start to contribute to the team. Mm-hmm. And then by then you get, so you got a, a half a year, their second year, their third year. So you're getting three years of pure production from a player out of, out of the high school ranks. Yeah. With these transfers – you're really hoping they hit, right? And then you get forced into a situation like we saw with McKenzie Milton where I felt like the staff felt like they was forced to play him when he really wasn't a better quarterback. And I think a lot of people knew he wasn't a better quarterback, right? And that caused you to lose a couple games because you made promises to guys. And I think that becomes a problem. I think they also made promises to other guys on the team that they will play certain positions because they brought transfers in. But then the better position it's for guys to play another position, but you made promises to this transfer. And it, it just kind of messed up the cohesion of a team. The better teams pick their spots with transfers. they got one guy here, one guy there, one guy here. With well, Florida State, we're bringing in so many, and we're trying to say, let's just make it work. I think that's kind of tough, you know?
0: What's up, guys? Drake here. Sorry to pull you guys away from the great interview sit-down with Mr. Sam Moore of the Listen Up podcast for a State of the FS Union, but... We here at Locked On Samuels will be remiss if we didn't talk about friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march through the playoffs right to the Super Bowl in just a few short days. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And sign up today by using promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get a 50% 5-0% bonus on your first deposit when you sign up. Once again, that promo code is locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bit online where the game starts. And as always, folks, Tails never fails and fade Dave and take the Bengals plus four. Now back to the interview with Sam Moore from the Listen Up Podcast. Yeah, I mean, like w- the one thing that we kind of and I, I like how you kind of brought that up, because one of the big questions right now that we have across the fan base is what is FSU doing right now in the transit portal? And when it comes in regards to the quarterback position, now, one of the big things that we saw was the evolution of Jordan Travis, basically right. saying, you know, from year he was a, he was mainly a runner and year one under Mike Norvell. And this year you saw flashes of him being a potentially good passer. But I think a lot of people, you know, will like to agree that we kind of want some sort of competition at the cube position. Because we feel that with a better QB under center, we could be like, what a, we can probably gain a, a win or two, you know, in the win-loss column, right? Right. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on how basically he's attacked the portal when it comes to not going for a QB or not seeming like going for a QB and maybe going to grab a running back or grabbing, you know, the four to five-hour receiver that he's getting. So I kind of want to know your thoughts on how he's tackled that sort of.
1: I, I've, I've been on record saying this. I thought Jordan Travel was the best quarterback going into the season last year. Um, he was severely underrated by most of the fan base going into the season last year, right? So now we've done this thing where he was so underrated last year coming out of the season. Now we are overrating what Jordan Travis really is, right? Mm -hmm. I am of the opinion, right? When you don't make a bowl game for two years and you've averaged four wins per season, nobody should be guaranteed anything within that program because nobody's living up to the standard. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that you have to have an honest conversation with everybody in that room where you got to say, hey, man, we got to get better football players in here because when I brought you guys here, I told y'all we are going to be successful, okay? The only way I can make sure everybody in this room is successful is by putting successful people in here, bringing more successful people in here so we can be successful. You have to get your team to buy into the idea that I'm going to bring guys in here. It's y'all's job to beat them out. And to make this team better and to buy into team, they need another quarterback. Point blank period. They need another quarterback. Not that you can't trust Jordan Church. I think you can. I think he's gonna fight. He's gonna give you everything he got. But he does get hurt. And if he gets hurt for three weeks, do we just say, Oh, well, that's three losses, and just kick out, you know, put our hands in the air and say, that? what can you do? You you just can't you can't run a football program like that. That's that's poor roster management, that's poor player development, because now Because you don't have a good quality quarterback. Now the guys can't develop on the field good enough because they're playing behind bad quarterback play. So you just – you got to bring another quarterback in. I don't know what they're waiting on, to be honest with you, because I think you could have so – you could have had this conversation after the season. Jordan, you went out against Florida and we was dead in the water. You come back, the game's practically over. We can't have this. You know, I I just – got to sell it the right way. You know? I mean, yeah,
0: but also you can point to like how the offensive line, there were times last year where if one you know Robert Scott goes down, Maurice Smith, you know, hasn't able to stand yeah. the brawl properly, where you kind of can't have you know the, the quarterbacks you want because the offensive line is just so mediocre to bad. Right. So it's kind of like who what quarterback would want to come here and essentially kind of be like a crash dummy at times.
1: Yeah, but you know, at the same time, though, you you brought in offensive linemen to help out with this problem. Mm-hmm. You you brought in running backs, you brought in wide receivers. Jordan Travis should be okay with you bringing in a quarterback because everybody around you is having to compete for their job. You should have to compete. You should have to compete too and show your team you're in the same fight they are in, you know? So I, I think this, this idea that, he's, that that Jordan Travis is safe or he's old a starting position, that's not how you get better. You know, you don't get better as a pro. I, I don't think Nick Saban, Kirby are telling people your position is safe. You know what I'm saying? I think it's a game recognized game every week. Like, yo, you're being outplayed this week and uh, you're probably not going to play. And that that's how you breed competition and make your program better.
0: I mean, that's true. And like one of the things that we've kind of, I mean, I talked about it a lot in Mike Norvell's first season where he, I was kind of surprised that he didn't go for a transfer quarterback then and grab yeah. someone because of James Blackman. Because I mean, we, you and I both, I think everyone here, Max, my co host, Dave, our co host here too, that we saw James Blackman play for several years and nothing. You know, the kid's probably as great as he is. He's just not that good at being a power five quarterback. Right. So it's kind of like understanding that I. There's a, it's a troubling pattern that I don't know if Norvell kind of has to, if Norvell knows how to manage the QB room. Whether yeah. it be, you know, bringing a transfer then, also with the, with the Purdy, how he now he's gone. He's at Nebraska now. Now we have three scholarship QBs right now on campus. So do you kind of worry about how he just does, typically does not know how to manage the QB room?
1: You know, it's I, I think managing that room, man, it does take a special coach. Um, every coach can't do it well. You know, um, Nick Saban kind of has it down pat. Lincoln Riley kind of does a good job with it. Other than that, I can't think of any other coach. I, You know, I, I mean, i watched Mark Stoops fumble all over himself year after year trying to find a quarterback. He finally got a guy this year. And we see what Kirby did this year. He basically played a walk-on because he, I mean, it is what it is. But. I think it's tough. It's tough when you, when the fans look at a more talented guy, but then the coach look at how the team responds, and that's is is, it's different, man. I think it's I think it's hard to see the tree in the forest. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. I, I think it's tough. I I don't say I don't want to say he he's doing a bad job managing it because, I think James Blackman was a good player in practice. I think he I think he was. Uh, I think he's a good kid. I think George Davis is a good kid. And I think when you see people working their tails off in practice, you just assume, well, I got to play the better practice player. And that better practice player may not be better in the games. So, you know, it's tough. It's tough. But you have to build a team where it's not so quarterback dependent also. That's really important.
0: Nah, that is really important. That kind of goes to, I guess, the next point. I kind of want to make with the offense, and then we'll go over to defense because I know that's the kind of the one of the few bright spots from last year. Yeah. Um. We see that Mike has taken about, I think, what four wide receiver options now out of the portal. We got DeSpain, Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, and there's one more, Winston Wright Jr. from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to ask you, like, what this, um, what does that kind of tell you that we're taking this many options, you know, at skill positions, and also get Trey Benson, the running back from Oregon.
1: Actually, I don't think it says as much about the offense as it does about the special teams. Um, okay. I think I was talking to—I um, had Kenny Shaw on my podcast, and I was asking him about punt return because our punt return was horrible. It was terrible, awful. And he was like, I, "I was like, well, the guys won't catch the ball." And I was really complaining to him about it. And uh, he made a—he made a really interesting point. He said I had never returned punts in high school. He said so. I got to college, and they made me return punts. And I said, well, how do you get confidence to do something? Because that seemed like the most scariest job in the world. And he said that, you got to remember, my gunners was Carlos Williams and Jalen Ramsey. So he was like, I had two of the most athletic, big, tall, strong guys on the outside of my gunners. So I knew they was going to block it up. And he was like, well, sometimes having good gunners that's blocking for you makes all of the world of the difference for the punt returner. and gives the punt returner a lot of confidence. So I do think having the wide receivers that they got, I think it says more about the special teams and what it's going to bring to the special teams. Uh, Pittman okay. catching the ball and punt return. I think Johnny Wilson somebody probably can get out there and block on the special teams. Um, I think him? they'll add value. I think they would definitely add value to the wide receiver room. I don't personally think the wide receiver room is bad as everybody think it is. That's that's my opinion. I think McLean is going to be a good player. Um, it, it's, it's going to take him time. I think they needed to actually spotlight him more last year Going into the end of the year, than what they did, um, you know, maybe not throw all these go routes to five foot seven guys. Maybe give it to the six four. <laughs> 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 you know, you know, gonna love that, by the way. <laughs> you know, just that's something I would do. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, but I, I just think that the wide receiver room wasn't as bad, but I think the special team was bad. And if you can find tall, physical, fast guys that ask to your special teams as gunners and guys that return punts and kick returns, in my opinion. That's interesting because I actually haven't
0: heard that because mainly we've mainly been talking about we know Winston Ryan as that go-to for the slaughter. You hear about Johnny Wilson because he has – I mean, you seen, everyone's seen that video like 10,000 times that, where he just catches the ball. I know we're like way up here foot seven yeah. And then Micah Pittman who – I mean, his dad was Michael Pittman. And his brother is killing in the NFL. So it's like you heard so much about how how big they are for the offense as a whole because, you know, Keishan Helton, you know, great kid, good mm-hmm. wide receiver, but he definitely shouldn't be your wide receiver, one – Leave McLean, While you were saying, they you know, six foot four, you can't teach that. He's still a very, very young kid, and you kind of right. saw that with the Jacksonville State game. So right. it is interesting to kind of how you point out how what their access to special teams overall.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's where you can see the immediate impact of these kids. Um, I don't. So the wide receiver room is interesting because see, I don't think Pittman's that good as a wide receiver. Um, I think he's a good punt returner. Um, I don't think he's a good wide receiver though. I just don't. Um Winston Wright, I think, is a good wide receiver. Is, is he a volume pass catcher though? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I think I think he's I think he's kind of more of a gadget guy. Johnny Wilson, I don't know. I mean, not a lot of production. He's at Arizona State. But in his defense, that quarterback at Arizona State is terrible. Uh, I watch him play. He's horrible. Jane, so.
0: I, I thought he was going to be so good too after his yeah. first year. I loved it. And Daniels too. And he he
1: has, I mean, he runs that. Um, that I can see why Willie wanted him so bad because he he runs that zone read to perfection. Yo, but, it's, it's awesome. But if you ask him to throw the football, it is going into the ground. So, but um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we got to see how they look and how they develop. But then then you talk about developing well. the well Of course, we've had developing wide receivers hasn't developed a wide receiver in three years
0: yeah i mean he hasn't developed one here and you can say long you can say maybe five or six years because of his tenure in miami too yeah like, look at mike harley and mark pope uh yeah. they basically i think both of them are gone i think mark pope actually tra- tra- uh, changed the db and then transferred out so it's like it's yeah he's just, J. just J. Like how they are
1: he's a jsu with uh,
0: dion yeah. yeah he's a d he's out
1: everyone's going to dion now he's freaking samara james gonna do the same damn thing um i'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie. i am gonna have some i believe shirts and uh hats on real soon man just let you know what's up That's, have some, uh, I believe, shirts and hats on real soon. It's coming. of, uh, uh,
0: yeah. I think two years. I think two years from now, we're all to wear I believe shirts and we're here. We're <laughs> seeing a press conference. I might even buy myself that goat that go change that he has on real quick. Yeah, I mean, the, with the wide receivers, yeah, I think t- that part of that's also with QB play, and that's something that we all talk. I mean, we've talked about with like Dan's also in the portal, but I'm actually very excited to see kind of how they kind of are implemented into the offense because I love Winston Rising Option One. I'm a little higher than Micah Pittman on uh, most people because I do think that the, the skills are there. But you're right. I think every one of them except for Winston Wright Jr. doesn't have the production to kind of back up the hype that some of us are giving them. Right. Um, and then moving from offense to defense, that's the one thing that like actually we kind of can't we can hang our hat on, you know, kind of has a successful season, right? You had right. Jermaine Johnson playing amazing. Yeah, Kier Thomas too as well, just being out of nowhere, Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper. I mean, most of them come back, and then we also we add Jared Verse too now for next season. I kind of want to get your thoughts as basically out on Fuller Law, people get a lot of hate it really yeah. does. Yeah. Um I mean I probably on the forefront there you should see my Twitter. So with uh, so with the defense as a whole, what did you see over the season that you that you liked and kind of how do you feel about them going into 2022?
1: So this is going to be negative, but I would have still made a change at defense coordinator. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, same here, man. You have no
1: idea. <laughs> I still
0: would have made it ain't a change. Just you. De-
1: yeah, I would have still made a change of defensive coordinator. I-, I still believe that Jacksonville State game was really unforgivable. Uh that first half of Louisville, unforgivable. I mean, the fact that Notre Dame put a whole new offense together and damn near hung 40 on you, I felt was pretty unforgivable, also. Um, they did play better down the stretch, though, right? Jamie Robinson is gonna be huge coming back. They need to the coach up the back end better, though. There's talent in the back end. I, 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 this, I, this, this thing that the fan base keeps saying, "Well, we need better players on defense and on in the secondary." I just don't believe it's true. I just do not believe that's true. I think Travis J is a good football player. I thought Akeem Dent was a good football player. They was crowning him last year, and by the end of the the following year, he was a good football player. They're good football players. They need to be coached up better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think that. But the one thing I do feel, even though we did lose, um, Jermaine Johnson, which that is a big loss. Him and Keir Thomas, huge losses. But I do think the um, emergence of the Loach and the and what you're going to get uh, out of Taylor Bethune, I think is going to supplement and make the defense very, very solid. But I do still worry about the back end, though. I, I really do. Um, so we'll see. Um, the is, that because renders-
0: they're, is, is that because they're like younger? Because I know we have Sydney Williams back there, you know, Renata Is never healthy, but he's probably one of the better ones we have. Like, why is that? that you worry I about the Sydney was pretty
1: much? good before he got hurt. I thought Sydney was good before he got hurt. Um, they got to find a way to get something out of Travis J. You, I mean, you have to take talented guys with talented reputations and get them to play to their star ranking. Um, that helps you in recruiting. You know what I'm yep. saying? <laughs> you gotta get, you gotta make that happen. Uh, they're not that young, though, right? Like Cooper, I mean, it's not crazy to get a, a Florida four-star DB and he started in the secondary and a good player for you for three years. That's no, I mean that, 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 that happens. Like,
0: that that no, happens. no, that happens more often than not. <laughs> I kind of want to ask with like Travis J, like you know, trust me, like Arco's Dave, he has been a Travis J like stand since you know day one. And to me, I'm at the point now where it's like you're about to get passed up by Marlon Cooper. Yeah. Kevin knows going to take your spot, too. I was not particularly fond of you at safety. I like Jamie back there better. When Renardo is healthy, I like him out there all the time. So with Travis J, to me, it's at the point where it's like it, – it seems like to me that they're getting passed up, and now we just have some kids in the back back end that we don't know where to keep them there or maybe catch the a wide receiver or maybe, just maybe, it might be time for some kids to kind of see the right on the wall. I think – um
1: I think we have to look at the evaluations of uh what Harlan Barnett thought of some of these DBs, right? So he thought he thought Akeem Dent was a safety. Yeah. It proved out that it it approved it proved out that Akeem Dent was a safety. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not a cornerback. No. Travis J, in my opinion, is a safety. Mm -hmm. He's a in the box safety. He is not a cover single high safety. He's an in-the-box safety. And I think that they they have to they have to. Take the scheme and kind of twist it and make it to work with the skilled guys that they have, in my opinion. Um, I don't think Travis J is a bad football player. I think he's been put in some bad situations. Um, he was the best punt returner as far as catching the football, but for some reason he got in a doghouse and we wouldn't even let him go do that. So we just gave up 100 yards of field position every game. That's bad coaching. You know, you got to do, we got to be better than that, you know so i think i i, I think the back needed to be coached up better i think this, the linebacker play was i thought the linebacker play got was the best linebacker play we had in almost four or five years it was really good linebacker play last year the loach was excellent last year um dj london probably probably shouldn't be playing linebacker at this level you know
0: <laughs> you know i he think should play fullback man he's got he's got the frame for that man he's
1: definitely a fullback i mean Maybe an NFL fullback, too, to be honest with you. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, maybe an NFL fullback. Um, I, I, hey, the 49ers are drafting. And that
0: just wraps up our first part of our two-part interview with Mr. Sam Moore of the Listen Up podcast. Folks, tune in tomorrow for part two of our interview with him for the State of the FSU series. Like I always said, it was a fun interview with Sam, and it was kind of a breath of fresh air and kind of a great different perspective on how we the FSU fan base feels about Mike Norvell. And as always, I highly recommend going and check out his podcast as well because he he does some good work out there. He just sat down with Lockton ACC host, Cass Cooper, and it was a fun time. And you know what? I'm not going to hold you guys back any further for this. We'll see you tomorrow, part two. And as always, take care, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow on On Seminoles.